What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. This is Two Guys, Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelican. You're listening to The Quick Cage. And Frank, which movie are you going to tell us about tonight? Uh, so tonight we're going to talk about um, recently released 2021 um, drama Pig, um, directed and written by Michael Sarnowski um, in a directorial debut. Um, also stars Alex Wolf and Adam Arkin. Um pretty excited to be able to talk about a cage movie close to release uh because typically we're you know sometimes going back several decades so um it's nice to talk about something like a little more relevant um and also to talk about what you know spoilers i guess i think is a pretty fantastic movie and possibly cage's best performance in 20 years ish um Cage plays uh, Robin Feld, um, who's a reclusive uh, truffle hunter who lives in a cabin in the Pacific Northwest with his um, truffle pig. Um, Rob, as he's known, um, basically hunts truffles and sells them to this kind of greasy, yuppie um, kid who buys the truffles and sells them to Portland area um, restaurants. Like he's like a procurer of rare ingredients. Um, One night Rob is uh, beaten in his home by some assailants and his pig is taken from him. Um, So he uses uh, Amir to kind of like hunt down, like who might've taken his pig. Um, And they sort of trace it back to these um, drug addicts. Um, he then continues to use connections from his former life. You find out that Rob was through the course of the movie, Rob was basically like this almost like savant of a chef, um, who operated in the Portland area and was generally considered to be, I guess, like the greatest chef, like in that area, um, who after the death of his wife had kind of retreated from society, um, you find out that Amir's parents had this kind of unhappy, loveless marriage, but that the one night that he saw him happy was when they had eaten at Rob's restaurant. Um, this dish that he had prepared for him had like, it was basically like this, the greatest meal they had eaten. But then Amir's mother committed suicide and he's sort of estranged from his father. Um, then you find out that the person that has Rob's pig is Amir's father and that Amir had kind of like, told his father about you know rob and his truffle pig and the father sort of coveted the truffle pig so he hired these drug dealers to go steal it um rob confronts um amir's father and amir's father is like berates him and sort of says like you know i'll give you twenty five thousand dollars but if you come after your pig again like i'm gonna kill it and rob doesn't want that so Amir's father kicks him out of his house. Um, 
so he goes and assembles these ingredients, um, gets this loaf of bread from this woman that used to work for him as a baker, has a mirror, procures some ingredients, as well as getting um, this bottle of wine from the mortuary where Rob's wife is buried, like this really, I guess, like rare, like vintage. Um, and they break back into Amir's father's house and Rob cooks the same meal for him again. Um, and where at first he's belligerent after he takes a, a couple bites of the meal, like he breaks down in tears and sort of retreats to his um, study. And when Rob confronts him again, he finally breaks down and says, you know, that the junkies that stole the pig and mishandled it and the pig died, um, which causes Rob to break down. Um, but him and Amir leave. Um, and in the end, he's at home and um, he's finally listening to this tape that his wife recorded for him doing a cover of uh, the Bruce Springsteen song, I'm on Fire, uh, but sort of illustrating that in some ways, like he's now finally moving on with his life as opposed to where he's been stuck since her death, kind of being like a social recluse. Um, really just amazing performance by Cage. Um incredibly controlled and subtled um but still nuanced and at times like super devastating like the end of that movie like really made me tear up pretty hard um the last like i'd say 15 minutes of it yeah it's a punch um, it's a real punch on the gut yeah pretty pretty emotionally brutal um just some amazing scenes like i maybe my favorite scene in the movie is um so when they're still trying to hunt for like clues as to who might have um stolen his pig they go to this restaurant called eurydice yep. which is um i was going to like say the, same, the, the scene you're going to describe same scene yep yeah yep. The, the 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 hottest spot in portland at the moment and it turns out that the guy that's the head chef or the owner or whatever is a former um line cook of rob's at his restaurant so they go in and they eat some food and rob asks to speak to the chef and the chef comes out and after a moment like recognizes that it's rob and um Rob basically just like I don't know like does this like zen attack and like breaks the man's life down and it's just like you're not doing what you love this right. isn't the food you love you're only doing what you think people want but not what you want mm-hmm. like didn't you want to open up like a pub at one point like wasn't or a tat whatever he calls it a tavern like wasn't that your your dream and just completely like breaks the man down and um that's where they find out that it's um Amir's father that was behind the theft of the pig. Um, And also where uh, Rob finds out that it was Amir's fault for like kind of telling his father about Rob and his pig. Um, And also one of the other more like devastating points of the movie is that um, Rob eventually confesses that he's the one that can find the truffles. Like the pig isn't a truffle pig. It's just a pig, but it's like basically like his only companion. And he just keeps them there for company because he loves this pig. Like that's his, the one creature that he can keep in his life. Um, and then to find out that the pig's just dead for no yeah. reason. Um, it just incredibly, like, you know, heartfelt. Yeah. And, well, it's this thing that's become his, like, only companion since his wife's death, it seems, you know? And, um, yeah. like, it's, it is a way of, like, almost, like, stopping from moving on. And, you know, by having that companionship, it keeps him at least having something as he's isolated himself from society. And by losing that, like, you know, he, I, I think that's what it is right he has to accept almost and finally listens to the recording right and that's what is the i mean what you assume is the catalyst for him like being able to move on and maybe 
even if he know. doesn't go back to society, it's like he's you know completely he's he's able to kind of emotionally move on. I think, right? Like at least accept her death right. as being a, a reality or whatever. But um, just a complete tour de force performance by Cage, and the complete opposite way that you usually get a tour de force <laughs> performance by Cage. Sure. Um, like within recent memory, my favorite thing of his. So I, I think the best thing that Cage has ever done is adaptation. Like I think right. that's an, an a- absolute flawless performance on his part, especially playing two distinct characters. Um, but in the past like decade, I would say that uh, Mandy is my favorite performance. Mm. But that ranges from being like almost catatonic to completely unhinged. Right. Um, but this is like like legitimately like you can see why people at one point thought of Nick Cage being like this is like an, if it weren't for the movie itself which it, I don't think is I should I don't know how to say this like <clears throat> it seems like I'm gonna like lessen the movie but it's like this isn't something that would get nominated for awards right like this movie I don't think I don't like, think for like direction Maybe right for screenplay yeah, I I'm not sure. Like, it just doesn't feel like a movie that would get nominated by um, the 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 awards um, people. Um, and but like, this is like an award winning performance. Oh yeah, I don't see how this doesn't get an Oscar nomination for him. Honestly, I mean, so I know what you're saying because the movie itself. Look, it's it's well filmed and it has a really good look to it, and it does and, have like a a story. Like, I don't know, I don't I don't know how to describe what I'm saying. It's like I think this something like this would have been nominated in like 1972, um, but it doesn't feel like it's something that necessarily gets nominated in the 2010s. You know, I mean, it just doesn't. Yeah, I I think it's small and quirky enough that it it might have a chance. It depends on what else comes out that, you know, I mean, this is such a weird year of cinema because of the way that things have been released and some, like, definitely some movies that I think people assumed would be, like, immediate, like, Oscar bait and just were very disappointing. Like, um, look at something like like The Little Things or whatever, Mm -hmm. where you've got, like, you know, these, like, Leto and Washington and what should have been like really great performances and a really like compelling plot, and it just all falls flat. And yeah. so I think that like because of that, and because I yeah, don't know like maybe. what the next five months holds, but sure. Um, I, I, if anything, I think that it'll be. I think screenplay and performance is my guess, like leading role. Yeah, and and look, I do think there was some really good stuff. Like I, even even in terms of. Cernovsky's like uh, direction, like I, I think there's some really good stuff in there. Um, I think that like last sequence with him walking home is extremely well filmed and edited. Um, yeah, you know, and uh, and I think there's like stuff like that throughout the entire movie. Some of it's you know, like it's it's obvious it's first time director to me. Like, um, but like some of it's really good, and I think the guy has a lot of talent and definitely somebody that like I'll look forward to seeing what he does next. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is all Cage, like pretty much. And look, all the other actors are really good. Like um, Alex Wolf, that uh, what he's from Hereditary, right? Yeah, um, yep. yeah, um, 
yeah, like I, I think he's really good in it, and like acts is like this uh, as both like the character works really well, the actor works really well. Adam Arkin always works in those small roles, um, which seems to be his bread and butter nowadays. Um, but he works really well. I I love the chef, like the the, the former line cook. I love that right. guy. I don't know who he is. He doesn't have a wiki page, but um, I really love that like very small performance of like you just know- being old and then heartbroken and you know existential yeah, crisis like, <laughs> like basically trying to like gather up his courage for a counterattack and then immediately crumbling <laughs> under right. like the truth of what um what feld is saying yeah yeah i'm so if, if i was going to say that there's anything that speaks volumes for this director is that nick cage gave him a real performance right yes. like Right. You can tell when Cage is really invested in the thing that he's doing, and vice versa. You can always tell when Cage has like just no respect for the material that he's being given or the person that's directing them. But like everything about this is just, and it does something that I'm a sucker for. And maybe this is why, like, I don't know, I I, I love this movie so much, and that it shows people cooking and like making mm-hmm. food, and I love movies that show people making food like Campopo and chef you like big night really what about big night movie. yeah big, big night's a really good movie um i don't know just like watching someone in the act of like it's that really simple thing where cage in the beginning of the movie is um making like a simple like pie crust right to make like some kind of like apple pie or whatever it is that he's he's making it's just like like folding the you know the egg into the flour and like it's just i don't know yeah it's a really it's a really good scene with um uh uh him and amir too where um he's like kind of like teaching him in some ways like how he's making that meal yeah uh before he serves it to the father and um that's a really good scene too because it um it's that small sign that like he he is kind of coming back into being like a human being again a little bit and um on top of it it's like the way Amir, um, the way the way that uh, Alex Wolf acts, that it's almost like this is the most attention he's ever been shown to from from a father figure, like, <laughs> which is really sad. Um, like any kind of like positive instruction, um, so he's like really intent on like watching and like listening to what he's saying. Um, and I, I thought that was a really good scene too. Yeah, agreed. So definitely um, highly so- recommended. Yeah, so I want to ask you a question. So you just mentioned about, like, you know, uh, you know, Stronowski, like, getting, like, a good performance out of him. Like, his, so this is, like, okay, Jiu-Jitsu, I guess, was last year. But it's, like, this year he's got Willie's Wonderland Pig. Last year, Jiu-Jitsu. And before that, it's 2019's score to settle. You know, I mean, Grand Isles that year. What the hell is the difference? Like what? Do, what do you think the difference is here? Like between this like, performance, like, and this yeah. Like well, like well, but, yeah. Like not. You can get into the specifics if you want to of like the performance. Um, that I'm fine with hearing you talk about that too. But um, why the hell do you think like he just phones it in or goes over the top or like all these other things that like make these performances either blah or laughable or mediocre or you know maybe good in a bad movie but and then you get this out of him 20 you know like you know 18 years after adaptation or whatever 
I mean, again, like I think that Mandy, which is what three years old now, four years old, yeah, is a really good performance. Mm-hmm. I think Color Out of Space is a really good performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, fuck, what's that movie with him and um, who is it, Elijah Wood or whatever? Um, I, I can't uh, the is. the trust. Yes. That's it. From yeah. like like seven or eight years ago. I mean, that's a really good performance. <laughs> you look at okay, so let's let's talk about like a score to settle or Grand Isle. Mm-hmm. Those movies aren't really about anything. They're just narratives, right? Like he's not. I mean, it's a paycheck, I guess. And I think that some directors just want him to be you know, fly off the handle, bug-eyed, weird-ass Nick Cage, you know? And I think that when people don't expect anything out of him, he gives them exactly that, right? Like, he's almost like a caricature. But I I think you look at, okay, so you look at Color Out of Space, and you look at Mandy, and you look at Pig, and they're movies that are made by directors who are invested in the work that they're doing. Like, all three of those men, are making something that's basically a labor of love. And I think that there's this like, maybe pretentious, maybe not, like depending on how you look at it, but I think there's this like artist, artiste soul in Nick Cage where he feels like he rises to the occasion of another artist's like challenge. And when he doesn't yeah. have that, when it's like a hack or when the movie's, you know, just yeah, like a by the numbers action thriller or whatever, you know, he just gives them as little as he needs to to get through the movie. You I mean, even could... though... Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead with finish what you're saying. I mean, let's, let's let's go back to the beginning of the quick cage. Like, even though, like, Next and Knowing are ridiculous premises and end up being really funny movies, he genuinely is making a character in those movies. Like, he's really trying to, you know, act in them. And they end up being, like, ridiculous but you can see it like and then uh, you know frozen ground the thing he did with 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 cusack like that's a very controlled nuanced performance of a guy who's obsessed with the idea of bringing justice to women that no one else cares about right and like you can feel that like even though like there's some flaws in that movie whatever his performance shows a level of like dedication to the work mm-hmm. and like something like outlander or fucking jujitsu or i don't know any of that stuff like it's just a paycheck and he's gonna treat it like a paycheck so and people does don't... it have to does it have to do them with like there there's some care he'll take he'll take the paycheck on kind of any movie but like there's there's characters that he can connect to on a script level and depending on how much he can connect those characters depends on how much effort he puts into it i think it's just as much the person directing the movie Mm. again like i think that there's this connection that he feels because look at shit like i don't know red rock west and wild at heart and even like we don't like it but he's trying to do something in leaving las vegas you know what I mean? Because he connects with that director. I mean, shit, Face Off is a ridiculous movie, but I think that there's a part of him 
that was in awe of like John Woo, like working with John Woo. And so he's trying to be right, you know. Right. He also has to be John Travolta, basically. He has to be like the stick in the mm-hmm. mud stuff. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Like that that performance. Right. But I mean adaptation, like the the complexity of those two characters that he played in adaptation is like miraculous i think it, it's one of my favorite performances of all time i think the more that i think about that movie mm-hmm. just because there's so much difference between those two people but so much subtle similarity and that he's able to control himself so much to do like to be each of those characters separately at any given time and be believable as both of them. like you really do believe that it's like two different people mm-hmm. when you suspend your disbelief and you're watching the movie and like i think that that's something that this um, Sarnowski guy is brought out of him in this yeah. movie. And maybe it is something about the material. Maybe it's like a combination of everything. Yeah. And again, I think there's some ego to Nick Cage too, where he views himself as this almost like that weird Shyamalan thing where Shyamalan views himself as the tortured writer that society doesn't appreciate. Yeah. I think that Cage has a similar feeling where he feels like he's a misunderstood artist, you know, that's greater <laughs> sometimes than the sum of his parts. Don't, don't you, I mean, isn't this whole movie, like, the whole story of this character, Cage's story? Sort of. Like, the yeah. guy that's been put out into the wilderness, that, that, that's chosen to go out into the wilderness? And, I mean, if you if you make Seattle or wherever it is, like, L.A., um, the guy who gave up on the blockbuster and chose to go out into the wilderness and do his own thing. On fucking truffles. Yeah, but he ain't digging up no truffles. That pig's digging up shit in this analogy. So, <laughs> like, it's just, like turd upon turd. But I mean, uh, like, think think about like a speech he gives to that guy. Like, I mean, it, it feels like, like almost like the statement to the world about like how he feels about like doing the thing that you love, and you know, all those kind of things. Like, and like the fakeness of. Hollywood and people doing things because they think they're supposed to as rather than doing it because they want to and uh, it feels like maybe the reason he connects to the character so much is just because yeah, he relates to him so much. I mean I read a bunch of reviews and there are some people that kind of make that like a, a, not, not exactly that analogy but like very similar in the fact that like Cage is almost like basically playing a martyr for the role in that he's like quote unquote caging his personality to provide like this more subtle performance, but I mean, I just think that I I, I pretty much only read the the Ebert review, um, whatever's on RogerEbert.com, and then I read the wiki, the ones that are on wiki, uh, where somebody said that in a negative review that it's undercooked. Um, right, I fucking hate, fucking fucking puns. I hate fucking reviewers so much. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, I just wonder if he just couldn't connect. There are certain characters he can understand and connect to better. And I'm sure the director plays a role in that. I, I, I don't discount that at all. I mean, we, we've seen, we've been talking, we're getting ready to go into our fourth year on this podcast in a couple months. Like, you know, I mean, like we've been talking about people that can direct actors and can like, you know, I mean, for a long time now. Um, so I, I know that's like an issue. I just wonder with him, like psychologically, like, there's certain things he can really get his mind into and puts all of his effort into. And there's some things like he can't, yeah. and it's just kind of like, yeah. Well, okay, so th- this is just fucking armchair psychology, but I think maybe a large portion of that is that for a long time, he was doing movies because he had to, right? because 
financial troubles. And so how much can you really invest yourself? I mean, this is a guy that had his choice of film projects for the better part of two decades where he could do whatever he wanted. And those roles were available because of who he was. And now he's got to make, you know, fucking um, running with the devil or whatever. Right. Like, because he's got to, like, pay the IRS or, like, pay down some debt or whatever. You know, like, he can't be invested in that ultimately because... And honestly, he's probably more, like, I brought that movie up. He's probably more invested in that role. And I think that's a lot just because he's with, like, Lawrence Fishburne in it. Mm-hmm. But I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I, something did come across my feed, and I just read the um, the headline of it because uh, everything Cage comes across my feed. But um, he he did a re- this past week, like in, in an interview or something, like admit that um, he he doesn't really want to go back to ho- what he calls like Hollywood movies, like when and basically he kind of means like Disney movies, right? that they stress him out. They cause him a lot of anxiety because of like the way that they're like, cause of the, all the attention that goes into the production of them causes them a lot of stress. Um, yeah. And I think he specifically like Sorcerer's Apprentice got mentioned in that, um, like that, that kind of production. And so there, there's part of him that like, he's, I mean, that's in the news right now too, but he, I guess he's just, like maybe even watching out for his own mental health. Right. Um, I mean, I get why that stuff would be, like, super stressful to him anyway, because it's probably something he's not necessarily interested, like, 100% interested in doing, and then there's the huge expectation of a large budget, and, like, you gotta have a big return on it, and... Right, and like, also, how much I mean, can you connect to that character in, tre- in National Treasure? And they're not like the worst movies ever, especially the first one. But it's like, how much can you connect to that character? The character is pretty fucking bland overall. Exactly. I, so. It's. I don't know. I mean, that was him. Like, that was him making the money to buy his his island. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And he did it, and then he squandered it, and now he's worked his way back to being able, I think, to make movies. Because even though it got kind of like um, lambasted, that uh, Prisoners of a Ghostland movie was directed by a notable director and had a decent cast. I mean, it wasn't like he was just making a like a quickie action movie or whatever. And he's, right. you know, he got to do um, the unbearable way to massive talent, which is coming out. Um, there's another one, right? That comes out in a couple months of his. What am I forgetting? There's the one where he plays himself. That's the unbearable weight of massive talent. That's that's in towards the end of the year. Uh, I thought it was the end of um end of August. Uh, yeah, that's to the end of the year to me, like the the last quarter. Um, and then there's one that he just signed on for, and I can't, I can't, we talked about the podcast like two weeks ago, and I can't remember what it is. Uh, the retirement plan. Yes. The unbearable way to massive talent is now pushed out to 2022. Yeah. So pig is technically the last thing of his to come out this year. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, because retirement plan had somebody. Um, 
You know what else he's really good at? And we, we should actually do this podcast soon and just get it out of the way. He's really good at doing voices in animated films. Right. Like, I had I, I watched Into the Spider-Verse. I've seen it a couple times. Mm-hmm. No idea that he did a voice in it. And I don't know like how I didn't notice it in the credits, but I could pay attention, but I had no idea. Right. And it's a really good performance, like, vocally. Like, he's... Yeah. He nails that performance, so I don't know. Yeah. Can I read you a review real quick when I was, like, just, like, Googling shit? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to clean up, like, the... This is from a um, review on Google Reviews from a from a fan. Okay. Uh, um, gave it four out of five stars, but um, uh, I started reading it and, 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 and started feeling my stomach sink. Hmm. Um... But I'm going to signal boost this this review on, on Google reviews from from a, from a watcher, and I'm going to clean up all the words that's supposed to be wears and it's that's supposed to be is and all the uh, run on sentences. Uh, Nicholas Cage, what has happened to you? You are still one of my favorite actors for comedy action movies, but what's happened? Where are those new comedy movies like National Treasure, Ghost Rider, Knowing, etc.? You were so good to watch in those movies. I'm not having a go or being mean when I say this, but you are struggling with the pre- but are you struggling with depression, depression or addictions that you downgrade yourself to be great movies in the last five years? I miss you, and as a person, I love you. Like Bruce Willis is really lost himself. He has no hope. Is a lost cause, but once good, but now extremely terrible. I don't want that to happen to you, Nicholas. Same with Jim Carrey. Is not himself anymore. This movie was good, but you can star in better movies worth so much more than this. Have you thought about joining the Marvel comic universe? I think you would be a great superhero. I want you to star in Oscar-winning blockbuster movies because that's what you're worth. You're a great actor and a great person, but star in properly written movies. I don't blame you. It's the writers in these movies I blame. No matter what, Nicholas, you will always be one of my favorite actors, unlike Bruce Willis, who's got his issues, unfortunately. Peace and love to you, Nick, and God bless. I hope I'll see you in heaven. (laughs) 68 people found that review helpful. I mean, I don't know what you want me to say about Bruce. <laughs> I, I don't. You don't need to say anything. I just want number to signal, one. I think, signal I boost. Think Nick Cage, I think Nick Cage needs a protective order <laughs> if he doesn't already have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is the third review that popped up on Google reviews. I I read the first three lines and I was like, oh, I need to read this whole thing. Huh. Boy, sixty-eight people found it found it helpful though. You need to market this helpful. Then it'll be 69. Yep, mm-hmm. There we go. 69. There we go. Good juvenile job. juvenile act. Since Are I'm you? whatever. I just I just read his post. I'm not saying pulled off the ultimate like edgelord neckbeard tribute to fucking nonsense, I guess. Um Yeah, and that's what it's no. This is a really good movie, and yeah. how people don't see that, like I, like some people don't see that. I, I, I really don't know. Like I guess they just want, um, things like knowing. 
Um, so let me let me national let me provide, treasure. Let me provide a, a an in context modern analogy um, to people not appreciating this movie. Right. Mm-hmm. This is something that we really haven't talked about, but it's been bothering me for a few days. Okay. So you know that I'm a pretty big fan of like nostalgic properties from like the 1980s that we grew up on. So G.I. Joe, Transformers, Masters of the Universe, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh There's uh-huh. a Masters of the Universe revival on Netflix right now, written by Kevin or produced by Kevin Smith and partially written by him, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, he's the showrunner for this animated revival for Masters of the Universe. Right. And it's a really interesting take on the idea of taking just all the I mean because the original cartoon when you watch it like there's really nothing to it it's very simplistic storylines there's no like arcs or anything I mean it's a kids cartoon from like the 1980s so like what do you expect right but it takes that and it provides context and nuance to every single character and in doing so is trying to set up like a much richer universe for people like myself who are, you know, in their mid forties and who grew up watching this show to actually be interested in it and not just be super bored by, you know, 22 minute episodes of like animated naked men wrestling each other. Right. Like that's, right. you need more than that. Cause like, I, I love he-man really difficult time watching the old he-man. Sure. Cartoon. I tried to like, go back just... and watch Thundercats a couple years ago, like, and like, Oh, I'll just watch some episodes here. And like, it's terrible. So I should have never the, went back to watch it again. The amount of vitriol that exists on the internet towards the show. Right. And honestly, I think that it's, I think that it's misreported just because it's like the loudest voices are winning out. And I don't think it's even the majority because, like, you watch the show and it's got really interesting things to happen. And I was well, right; it's getting review bombed. I mean, that's what's right. happening. So that's how I look at anything where it doesn't meet the exact. I mean, come on! It's like how we felt about like we we've fantasy booked like so many things before they've come out. Sure. Like, oh, this would be awesome if it happens, and sometimes like. We're so disappointed by it not being that way that it makes us not like the stuff. Sure. But I think that, like, I want to, I, I honestly believe that myself and you and our friends are able to at least, like, objectively appreciate something that has artistic merit. To it. Absolutely. And that's the or difference, right? Is like, we can fantasy, we fan it. I mean, how many times did you and I, like, sit there and, like, fantasy book, like, the end of, like, the first MCU saga, right? Like, um or twin peaks like how many times you talk sure. about oh man like sure th- this could happen and this could happen and this character sure come back and-, and and if it's good if it's not what we expected and it's good we can accept that it's even if it's not what we booked you know what we right. imagined um and we're using wrestling terminology for people that might not watch wrestling but it's like um but it's, it's just because of what we we imagined isn't necessarily because you know um, it doesn't mean it's not good. And like some people can't accept that. And yeah, I think that's like a large part of like what, you know, definitely like happens with something like the Masters of the Universe thing. Um, I mean, because the, the things that are being criticized aren't even necessarily large portions of the show. Like there's some implied romantic attraction between Tila and this other female character that's created for the show. 
mm-hmm. but there's never anything that's said about them being like intimate with each other. There's no physical embrace. You know what I mean? Like none of yeah. that stuff takes place. It's just if you want to see it in the way that there is romantic attraction, you can see it that way. Mm-hmm. Which I think is Kevin Smith's subtle way of like allowing it to be more inclusive. So, you know, people who like maybe someone from like the LGBTQ community can find that like, oh, okay, well, I can identify with these characters or whatever. I don't know. Like, it doesn't even matter because it's not like implicitly stated in the show. But man, like people are so mad about that shit. And it's like, number one, you're manufacturing something where there's nothing in order to just justify sure. your hatred. Or, like, give yourself a platform to hate gay people under the context of saying, like, why does it need to be a Masters of the Universe? Right. Or, like, you know, I mean, and look, I I do think there are some people who are just kind of, like, angry about He-Man not being in it for, what? I've only watched the first two episodes, but it's like, it what, is, is it, is it so, three, three episodes that roughly he's not in? I mean, he's dead. But right. they're going to bring him back. Well, right, sure, yeah. They, they they don't bring him back by the end of the fifth episode, I don't know, so... Yeah. Not to spoil anything for you, right. but... Yeah. Like, I, I mean, but that's the ultimate thing, is that they're going I mean, to bring it, him back. Okay, just, just, just to use, again, some wrestling terminology, but it's like, I mean, aren't they... Like, aren't they doing that? Like, from what I can just tell from, like, the headlines and stuff that I read in, like, one article that I've read about this controversy, like... It doesn't it seem like they're, they're my guess is they're probably doing that in order to um like build up some new people so and then like show the importance of Prince Adam slash He Man like to right. Eternia. Look, don't, don't like you're ultimately putting way. you're ultimately putting over He Man right. in this by the end. Don't 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 take this the wrong way, but like fucking duh. Like how do you not like understand that that's what's right. happening when you right. watch this show? Like, okay. So now I can see the importance of a character like Roboto or Kila. Right. You know, and where I can see like the true villainy of fucking Skeletor or Evil Lynn or I. There's no, so right. It's, it's the exact opposite of like, you know, God, I hate that we're talking about wrestling during this, but it's like, it's the exact opposite of the strategy that like, you know, WWE's done all these years where they just keep put. It, it would basically be like if, you know, just pushing He Man all the time. Like, you know, giving He-Man, like, you know, 23 out of the 26 minutes of, like, screen time in this show, it's like people are just going to get fucking sick of He-Man. <laughs> right. I, and 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 I, I think that's definitely a thing. Like, you need a break from people sometimes. And it's actually ultimately going to put this guy over by taking him off television for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But now you have a bunch of other characters that are really interesting, and you can follow their plot lines along with He-Man's plot line when he comes back. Right, I mean, it's just pretty... I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> it's, it's just pretty standard writing. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, anyway. I mean, look, it's a subset of people, but there's people that are just pissed off that, like, you know... I, I understand, like, the bait-and-switch, like, argument, like... A little bit, I guess, but there's some people also like I don't know how represented they are, but they're just pissed off that it's the same reason like Last Jedi got review bombed. You know, they're just you know they're just pissed off that like the problem is that 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 Tila is the is the star of the show like during that and because she has a butch haircut, right? But she's changed herself as much as she can from being like the royal guardian 
of whatever King Randor to being this mercenary side, whatever. Right. So uh, yeah, it's it, it's all pretty silly to me. Like you know, um, like like the entire thing. Like uh, it's like, and, and I'm not somebody who necessarily thinks like you know. Like, I don't like the automatic, like, knee-jerk reaction. The Like, if you don't like something, like, you know, um, it means you're a sexist or something like that when it, like, involves, like, a female character. But there's enough of it that I've, like, seen so far that, like, it, there, there's definitely people that are feeling like that. Um, it's like Ghostbusters, like that remake, you know? It's like, I remember there was all that discussion about Oh well, people just don't like you know. I think it was the filmmakers themselves and the and the cast was like, oh well, it's a, it's anti woman like reaction to it or whatever. And it's like the movie, from what I understand, just sucked. I didn't watch it, but it's like you know, it's like all the praise over Captain Marvel. I know we're not big fans of Captain Marvel, like either of us. Um, and I don't think it has anything to do with like you know sexism. It's just not a very well written movie, right? But the problem is, is that reviews like you can't parse out like actual critical review from ridiculous like trolling i guess or something i don't even right. know if what they call it right well ultimately it's like it's the problem with the world and the media in general anymore i would suppose is that like there, there's no reasonable take on anything everything has to be an extreme right so it's like either like you know going back to uh a group text thread it's like it's either simone biles is the greatest hero of all time and nobody can match the gr- bravery or courage that she has or she's this failure who disgraced the country and blah blah there's no reasonable middle ground in any of it it's just one extreme to another for clickbait i hope no one's listening anymore because i'm gonna give you like a hot take mm. Fuck the Olympics. The Olympics need to end. Like, there's no value to the Olympics. It's the absolute most disgusting abuse of young people on the planet ruled over by greedy fucking pieces of shit in the IOC who are, like, corrupt and care nothing for actual sport or competition. Like, the Olympics is a breeding ground for fucking pedophiles. And it just needs to be done away with. And fuck, fuck competitive sports. On uh, I think that's the biggest hot take out of all of that. Like, I think some people like could laugh along until the pedophile thing, and that's probably the biggest hot take. No, do you know about like the? Um, I was reading an article today about Carrie Strong because of the whole thing with Simone Biles. Right. Like they brought up Carrie Strong basically like competing on a broken like leg, I guess, or whatever. Like she was like seriously injured. And they made her go out and still compete. And that dude that was her coach got to keep, like, coaching forever. And one of the other coaches on that team was the guy from Ohio State that was, like, molesting all those girls. Oh, well, right. Yeah, j- obviously, there's a large problem among gymnasts. I mean, that's not the only sport that's in well, it's the, the Summer sport Olympics. Well, it's Biles is competing. <laughs> okay. Well... Okay. Like, if you want to have like a world basketball tournament, just do that. You don't have to do it every fucking four years. But a hundred, the Olympics creates no value to anywhere that it goes. It destroys cities, and it's just fucking terrible. And it's like a breeding ground for disease, both normally transmitted and sexually transmitted, and the and and the illegal sex trade as well. 
So there's not there's no value that the Olympics brings to this world anymore. Uh, that's 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 a funny way to end all of this. Uh, I I've been so angry about the Olympics for days. Like people bring up the Olympics at work, and I just go somewhere else. That's like I get all haughty. I'm like, hmm, and I just walk away. <laughs> like they're talking about like pornography or something. <laughs> You might be slightly more engaged in that conversation than the Olympics. Um, <laughs> it definitely provides more value to my life. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I never care for the Summer Olympics anyway. Like um, All the Olympics. I, I like the Winter Olympics better. You're right. Yes. If I, had I, would, not, I, I would not I, have this hot of a take before the Winter Olympics. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, because I can definitely get down with like six hours of curling. Like I love watching curling. Curling's good. I mean, I grew up with like a you know mother and grandmother who like obsessively watched figure skating. I know way too much about figure skating, so I can actually watch that and like kind of like enjoy it. Like you know, do they do they hit the triple lutz? You know, Um, know about the inverted giant? No, what's the what? I don't know. It's something in the in skating. Uh, oh no, maybe that's in maybe that's in gymnastics. Yeah, I like luge. I'm like you know, I like that stuff. Like right, because you could die doing the luge. <laughs> you, you ain't gonna right, die right. running the four by four hundred or whatever. Right. It's like skiing. It feels like there's something to it there. Like, but running. Yeah. Well, oh uh, my god, that's the worst. <laughs> Wait, how do you feel about running? I mean, is it from something? Because I guess I'm I'm on board. But even then, I'm probably just going to lay down and hope for the best. <laughs> oh. God, I just I would just have a heart attack anyway. So what does it matter? Right. Like, that's like I'll just let my heart explode, and then whatever's chasing me can have its way with my corpse. <laughs> um, last thing I want to ask you is, um, what the fuck were you at a drive-in in the last five years? This is coming from a direct conversation. It's more than five years. I completely okay overestimated, yeah, uh, underestimated time. Now time. It was yeah. it was about eight. It's been about eight years. When the fuck were you at the, the movie the drive-in in the last eight years? There's that drive-in down in Middle River. I went there with um that girl I was dating and her kid. Uh, yeah, I, 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 the name of the place. What'd you say? Uh, Maleficent. Yeah, I don't think you told me about this ever. Oh, what's there to talk about? It wasn't a very good movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why I, I was I was I was just incredulous about like that text. Um, because I was like, I don't fucking know about this. Um Well there was the drive in when yeah, I was you, little... you didn't you didn't you didn't talk about like that relationship a lot. Um like you, you kept some of that close to your chest, so um there um makes sense. When I was a little kid, there was a drive-in in, what was that area called? East Point, maybe? Or maybe it's Dundalk down there. But anyway, down in that area. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I am an old man. But I mean, they're still driving around. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, there's, there's like, at least the like famous three one drive-ins. Up in Jersey, with, right? Like the, like... Right, there's. At least drive-ins within like thirty-five minutes of where we live. So if you want to go to a drive-in, go fucking nuts. Right. I don't find it to be a particularly engaging experience, and I think it's like I've never been to a drive-in. 
romanticized by people who you just go and you tune your car um yeah, yeah to radio, like a, to a station right. like okay. it's not like the old days i swear to god we talked about this no i i i distinctly remember us having a conversation about how crazy it is to do maybe it wasn't you i was talking to somebody about like how i was expecting like a fucking clarion thing to like mount on the side of my window and it was just like junior radio station to blah 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 and then there you are nah I don't remember that but um okay you were drunk anyway you fucking lush what in 2013 you definitely were drunk nah that's not true 2013 I true. wasn't drunk no I wasn't either in 2013 you got your timeline all fucked up. You can't. You thought it was five years ago. You went to a goddamn drive-in. You're right. You're right. I mean, it was legitimately. It was like eight years ago. <clears throat> all right. What's your grades on this movie and on the cage performance? Oh, it's a. It's an eight and a half. The movie and the cage performances. I'm gonna give this a ten. This is a ten cage performance. So it's this an adaptation? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's pretty high. It's pretty amazing. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a great movie. Um, no, I, I, I really enjoyed watching it a lot. Like, I, I don't usually watch these things, like, at the same time you were. But, like, I, I was a little suspicious of some of the reviews I was seeing about the performance. Like, particularly doing this podcast for over a year. Like, I was like, oh, did he just, like, kind of, like, do something, like, you know, good in a good movie and people are freaking out about it but no that, that people are right that it's a great performance so. yep i agree all right so um you are back to the grind next week right like, yeah if we don't do the animated one i'm gonna have to fucking watch something so yep, you are yep and bad choices all around so this this is this is gonna be the, the the most positive review that's left, I believe. What did um what did our Facebook friend Wilson say? He said that um what was it running with the wind is like uh that was um uh racing with the <laughs> running with the wind. Whatever. Um, racing racing with the moon. Um and um uh he said he, he he likes it um, as long as you can tolerate Sean Penn, um, which I can't really. So um, I'll I'll be interested in hearing your take on that. It is young Sean Penn though, so maybe maybe I'm, I'm alright with some Sean Penn. I'm more alright with some Sean Penn performance than I am like some Sean Penn as a person. If that makes any sense. I mean, I I get it. Like, there's a lot of um, you know. I mean, what, what yeah. do I call it? Running with the wind. <laughs> Running with the wind. Yeah, I mean, I, I I tend to I tend to agree most of the time with Sean Penn a lot of times, except for the fact that um um he's just so smug about it. Um, <clears throat> right. That's what that's all right. Your so right. Sean Penn movies that I like. Um, okay, Falcon and the Snowman. I, I watched that last year for the first time and I liked it. Um, at Close Range, I liked when I was young. Don't know what I would think of it now. Colors, I kind of liked when I was young, but I don't know how I would feel about it now. I haven't watched it. Oh, it's not like, a good movie. Okay. 
Casualty War is like one of my least favorite movies of all time. Um, I fucking hate that movie. And um, Carlito's way he's in. Um, and I, I do like Carlito's way more than, well, more than you, I guess, probably. Um, what did I say? I liked him in U-Turn. I said, yeah, I do like him in U-Turn. Mm-hmm. Um, he's good. He's so lovely. Yeah, sure. Um, okay. I just don't think it's a great movie. Um, Dead Man Walking is like, ugh. Um, that adaptation of Hurley Burley I don't like. Thin Red Line I'm not a big fan of. Um, oh, I Am Sam. Mystic River. Sure. Okay. Um, 20, 21 grams. Yeah. Milk. Milk's the other thing I really like in them. Milk is a amazing performance. That, that's his best performance. Sure. He's, he, you know what? He's good in all the Kingsmen, too, but it ends up being kind of just like a blah movie to me, like overall, when it should have been better. Um, yeah. No. He's just kind of frustrating, dude. What about his role in the Angry Birds movie? Do you think I've watched the Angry Birds movie, or are you just making a joke because you know I haven't? Well, now I feel like maybe you have, and you're just trying to be secretive about it <laughs> because of the way you answered that question. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't think you've watched the Angry Birds movie, except that now maybe I do think you might have watched it. No, I, 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 I played five minutes of Angry Birds like in 2012, maybe. And, um, and then yeah yeah phone much sooner than me but um uh and then like that that's it that's that's my extent of knowledge about angry birds so hmm. okay i've never seen it either but i imagine it's stimulating performance vocally sure he plays a character called terrence riveting it is riveting have you seen the Tree of Life? No, I haven't seen that movie. I haven't either. You know what? Maybe that's the. Never mind. I mean, Terrence Malick I'll... obviously likes them, so. I'll, I'll I'll save that one. What you want to talk about, Terrence Malick? No. You want to shit on Terrence Malick? I'll kill you. No. I'm really looking forward to a Terrence Malick movie that I got to watch um, next month for um, September. So. Um, what is it? <laughs> Can't even remember your own fucking movies. Um, it's on the next top five crime movies of the seventies. Oh, of course, yeah, that's a brilliant movie. Sure. All right. Um, I'm done. Cool. Me All too. Right. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a good night. All right. Goodbye. <laughs>